Becca. Hi, Allie. <laughs> so Allie and I have a really sexy topic for you guys uh, this episode. Taxes. Ugh, it's a tough topic. Uh, one that most of us massage therapists tend to dread and maybe procrastinate, right, Allie? For sure. So we decided to take this topic on because it really should still be fresh in everyone's mind since maybe not all of us, but I think many of us took advantage of the late filing this year. And really, the earlier we can all get a game plan on the coming tax year, the better off we'll be. Taxes, like just the word, fills me with dread. So I like to get kind of a jump on it. Every year, tax adjustments will differ, but if we're proactive and get organized now, we'll be ready. So Allie and I are definitely not accountants or tax experts, but we thought it'd be helpful to add our two cents. Align with the Massage Business Mama comes to you with a combined 22 plus years experience in the massage biz as entrepreneurs, providing actionable tips and resources you can implement today. Becca, an off-grid living, quirky, trail-running massage therapist, esthetician, and yogi, offers her business and wellness perspective to you with highly caffeine-fueled, compassionate wit. Allie, your hard-working, driven, creative mom, massage therapist, business owner, lover of friend gatherings, all-time annual family talent show winner, brings her drive and business savvy to every episode. Our sponsor for this episode is me, Allie of the Massage Business Mama. During all of this COVID craziness, I have had to learn how to pivot my massage practice to stay relevant and swim, not sink. In making these tough decisions, I created a workbook to help myself make conscious and informed choices as to how to move forward. The workbook, Massage Practice Reimagined, Redefining Your Massage Business After the COVID Crisis, is a 36-page interactive guide to help you move forward in a post-COVID landscape. It retails for $12, but for Align with the Massage Business Mama listeners, you can get it for $4.99. Go to www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com to shop this workbook. At checkout, use coupon code PODCAST, all in caps, to get your discount. And please, let me know how the workbook helps you work through this crisis. Okay, Allie, are you ready to go forward with stress-free tax tips? I don't know if I'd go so far as to say stress-free it's funny because when Becca suggested this topic for today's show, even just the thought of preparing for this episode gave me a little apprehension. It's such an important topic, but just the word tax creates a deep visceral reaction and it's not positive. Any listeners out there agree? <laughs> I just had a visceral reaction. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I think... I think- I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's some interesting massage therapist out there who's like, yay, taxes. <laughs> Maybe. I'd, I'd be curious to meet them. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that like years ago when I was first starting out doing my taxes, 
would literally paralyze me with fear. I was a complete mess. But after years of building proactive habits, I might not be excited about my taxes, but I definitely have like just a, I would call it manageable low-level anxiety yeah, <laughs> about my a taxes bit, every year. A little bit better, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what I keep hearing is that taxes don't have to be that scary. At least that's what the accountants in my life keep telling me. So I come from a family of accountants. Both my parents were CPAs. My brother-in-law is a CPA. When I was in college and took an accounting class for my business minor, the professor begged me to switch my major from art to accounting because she said she'd never seen such a natural in accounting. So it's just like kind of in my blood. Yet I still have a natural aversion to taxes. The fear of audits, deadlines, and having to pay all make taxes a little less than appealing. Yeah, I think I can definitely relate with the end of that statement, but I have no idea that you and all of your family, like you had this deep, rich accounting ancestry. (laughs) What do you got for us? (laughs) I think you got some insider info. So... I mean, I know what I have just through trial and error and struggling, but what kind of tidbits do you have to help us get over the hump of this taxes anxiety? I think the biggest thing is that it's super important to prepare. That instead Mm -hmm. of waiting until the last minute to gather all the information needed to get them filed, that you have a system in place that allows you to capture all the information necessary as you go throughout the year. I couldn't agree more. It took me a little while to figure this out. I've definitely tried a few methods. Probably my first method was throw everything in a box and hide it in a closet, which not a great method, (laughs) Um, to like extremely organized binders. But I think my favorite method so far is the accordion method. This probably isn't the best method, bigger business model though, (laughs) Um, but I have used it while keeping track of my husband's small business and my own small business. So it works pretty good. It is very simple. And it involves digging deep and drawing on some middle school creativity. I like to start with an accordion file that's chosen for its attractive color and or cool design. So really get high school with it. What do you think, Allie? I love it. (laughs) Maybe get some stickers, some positive quotes, Anything that makes it look and feel more fun and friendly. It reminds Um, me of like middle school with the Trapper Keeper binders. Totally. Trapper Keeper (laughs) the hell out of it. (laughs) I I don't know if anyone's read Douglas Adams, um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but they have this technique in there. And and I, I like to call it the don't panic technique. It's anything that's written in large, friendly letters that might be have heavy content. But if you write it in this this friendly style, well, it's just a little easier. Like, it makes you smile when you go look at it. That's a fun approach. I also collect some file folders to place in my super cute tax binder. And usually the file folders might have, like, kitties on them or... <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's really bringing back these memories of the Trapper Keeper <laughs> with, like, the Velcro and, like, the plush, like, outer. So I really wanted, I really, like, I found that going, like, total junior high with it 
just helps me. I'm like, ooh, I get to go into my creative binder and do my taxes. <laughs> but anyway, so I'll have like my cute little file folders and I label them with like W4s, 1099s, quarterly income folder, business expenses, education, lease agreement, insurance, it really anything that I'm going to want to keep track of. And then I'm a big tactile person, so I keep all my receipts. I write what the amount was and um, what it was for on all the receipts, and then I put it in the appropriate folder. And that is not probably a method that is liked by many people <laughs> because you have all these tiny little pieces of paper that, you know, the amounts rub off and it, but for me, I like it, but there's lots of other methods out there and there's plenty of software programs out there where you can organize all of it, take a picture of your seat, get rid of all the paper, but whatever. I still do think that it's a good idea to keep a hard copy, uh, but I am pretty old school. So yeah, I, well, I have a credit card that's exclusively used for business purposes. So I actually don't keep very many receipts. I just use my credit card statement at the end of the year to itemize my expenses. Um, recently I actually stopped keeping the paper copy of my credit card statements too, because I've been on this huge decluttering mission and realized that I could access all those online records easily through the computer. So I've, oh, I've simplifies, awesome. simplifies things for sure. I love it. I love seeing all of your social media posts on um, the Massage Business Mama, like your stories of all these decluttering, like before and after. It's, <laughs> it's very inspiring. I will I'm, say. On a, I'm on a mission right now. That's for sure. Have I have I told you, Becca, that um, when I get my place completely organized, that I'm going to reward myself with a puppy? I did. I noticed that. I think I saw that in your stories. I was like, it's yay. Very so exciting. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I want to fly over there and just help you so we can get that puppy sooner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think whatever you do to get organized or whatever system you choose, just start now and stick yeah. with that method that you've chosen. And you don't have to stick with it forever, but stick with it for the year. I will say that like moving into some of the other steps of, um, of taxes, our quarterly payments, I'm pretty terrible with saving money in my bank account. So I absolutely follow the cash method. I calculate my average monthly income and I take 30% out of that, take 30% of that out of my bank account and place it in my tax file folder. And I do that quarterly. So then when I have to pay my quarterly taxes, the cash is already in there and boom, when I go to pay my quarterly tax payment, I deposit the cash the same day. So I don't have to worry about any surprises or, or anything like that. And this is, you know, this is from someone who was a single parent. So, you know, stretching my dollar quite a bit. Um, and it kept me, it kept me on track. I will say that you're probably going to want to have a fireproof safe to maybe put your tax folder in. I love, I love your cash system because you're so right. It's so easy to spend money when it's just sitting in like a general fund that you have access to every day. It's just, yeah. it's, it's almost impossible not to spend it. <laughs> yeah. It's real easy to just bust out that plastic card and be like, Oh, well, I'll make it up later. And yeah. yeah, be surprised when you have to pay yeah. your taxes. Anyway, that's yeah. what works for me. So I asked people on Instagram to share their biggest ta tax struggles and Healing Motion Massage said that their first year as a 1099 worker 
it was so great until payback time and they owed so much money. But implementing a system like your cash system, it just eliminates all of that. Yeah, it's not fun to get that heavy, heavy amount at the end of the year or at your quarterly uh, junctures and yeah. Especially if you're <laughs> if you're not prepared for it at all, especially if you like kind of had zero preparation that that was going to be something that was upcoming, you know, that could really, really put a damper on things. I will say like, I don't know if it's comfortable to like state money, but my first year of doing my own business and my husband and whatever, we did not plan and we owed like 12 grand at the end of the year, which was like a a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Preparing would have been smart. Anyway. Yeah. Another thing that I think trips people up in the beginning is figuring out what type of legal entity to set up, whether to be a sole proprietor, partnership, corporation, LLC, C-Corp, S-Corp. It can be super overwhelming in the beginning. And one thing to note is that if you take no action, the IRS automatically considers you a sole proprietorship. So in the event you are struggling with paralysis analysis for how to structure your business, you have already inadvertently made a decision. By failing to make any official decision or move to create a business entity, you are operating as a sole proprietorship. Now, Becca and I can do another episode about the pros and cons of each of the legal entities. For this episode, we want to focus more on how these entities affect your taxes. And I just want to touch briefly on on these different entities. So a sole proprietor, you can withdraw money from your business, but it isn't considered a wage and can't be deducted as a business expense. While you won't pay payroll taxes on your draw, you do pay self-employment and income taxes. The business doesn't file taxes or pay income taxes. Instead, you file a Schedule C with your 1040 form and pay personal income tax on the profit. A partnership, you file a Schedule K-1, Form 1065. The partnership itself doesn't pay taxes. Instead, each partner reports their profit and losses on their individual tax returns. And then there's corporations, which are the most complicated when it comes to filing taxes. I feel like this fact is a big reason why many massage therapists go the sole proprietor route. Becca, what, what type of entity do you have set up for your massage biz? Um, I did have a sole proprietorship. It worked just fine for me and my small little operation. And it really doesn't, it costs a little bit, but talking to a lawyer uh, and writing out a little business plan is a really good idea. If you have, you know, if you have that option, just to see like what aligns best with your, with your long-term goals. Becca, are you currently an employee at the spa that you're working at? No, I'm a 1099. You are? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I do some mobile massage on the side and um, I teach yoga as well. Yeah. So so I'll I'll pretty much um, 1099 slash sole proprietor. Okay. Yeah. So consulting with a trusted accountant or lawyer like Becca mentions in the beginning can be extremely beneficial. I, I know in the beginning it can be hard to justify some of these added expenses, But my feeling is that if you want to have a successful massage business, it's important that you treat it with the respect it deserves and treat it like a business, not a hobby. And I know that's kind of like a little bit of tough medicine, but it's it's so important that we set ourselves up for success in the beginning. Agreed. 100%. 
Another tip that I implement when working on my taxes is to not procrastinate them. As soon as January starts, and I mean January 1st, I sit down and start pulling together my records. For years, I had QuickBooks at home and no tracking system at my office, so I would come home from my days at the office to input data into the QuickBooks program on my desktop at home. Finally, I got smart and started using MindBody at the office to record everything from inventory to retail sales to tips and massages. My credit card transactions were also being run through MindBody, so it made it super easy to keep track of everything. But since my downsize in March, I stopped using MindBody for a multitude of reasons. And I'm kind of in the process of reinventing the wheel right now when it comes to maintaining my records. But I can tell you that I'm not ever going to go back to a system where I have to bring records home on a daily basis to input them into this into a system. Like, I think setting up <laughs> setting up some type of a system where you can keep track of it at the time is much more efficient. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I would definitely have a hard time keeping everything in a ledger and having to transfer like information from like my office to home. I, that's just like way too much opportunity for forgetfulness and mistakes, which I personally am constantly working around my like natural tendency for forgetfulness. So that would just be an absolute mess for me. It was a nightmare, you know, and it was like, I'd come home and like, I would be so exhausted. So then I wouldn't input it every day. And then it would be like, they'd pile up and I'd be, you know, sitting there for hours trying to catch up, you know, some weekend or whatever. It was awful. Yeah, that sounds, oh, that sounds horrible. Doing, doing work on your days off too. It's like, just don't, don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to yourself. Come up with a system for sure. Yes, In my yes. studio, um, we used MassageBook and it was free and simple to use. You could pay like a, f- you know, minimal membership fee to get their premium, which had some other features specifically for retail and like inventory and that sort of stuff. And also like social media stuff. But I used it quite simply. I just used the free version, kept track of my appointments. I had two other people in my office as well. Um, and we all used the massage book system. So there was no bookings overlapped. We had all our financial documents like inputted. And all we had to do was like generate a report, which you could look at weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever. And um, also I use Square and those generate annual transaction reports that are really helpful too, that I use to uh, complete my taxes for this last year as well. Nice. So let's talk about deductions. (laughs) I think deductions are one of the most confusing topics for massage therapists. I think we tend to, yeah, I think we tend to overcomplicate and overthink them to the point that we just end up throwing up our hands. <laughs> yes. So what are some things that we can deduct? We can deduct rent, advertising, marketing, professional fees and dues, accounting, legal, interest on a business loan, office supplies, treatment supplies, mileage. Though, a word on mileage, my first year in practice, I worked at a local hot springs. It was a little bit of a trek to get there. And in my rationing, I figured that since I was an independent contractor, that I could deduct my mileage. But oh no, my accountant, aka my dad, explained (laughs) that if you operate your business from somewhere other than your home, 
you can't deduct the miles you drive to that location. That, that That's considered commuting. But if I was traveling to a client's home or the post office to drop off marketing material or going to Walmart to pick up supplies or driving to a continuing education workshop, these miles could be deducted. Places that were out of my normal driving routine, but were business related. Yeah, counting mileage is so tedious. And most of the time, it really doesn't impact, at least it had, hadn't impacted my deductions much, unless you're a mobile massage therapist. Exactly. And um, my my accountant relayed the same information my first year as an independent contractor about, you know, it's commuting if you're driving to, you know, your massage location and then anywhere after that you that you go out to do a massage, just like you said. So it's just like, why take on that headache? Just, you know, ditch it if, if you're not doing um, if you're not doing mobile massage. But I will say that during covid I worked for Instacart and keeping track of mileage uh, was super, is super important. So I found an app that keeps track of my mileage and I label what each trip is. It's very, very helpful. It's not always intuitive, but um, the more you get used to it, the, the easier it is. What app was that, Becca? It is called Driver's Note and uh, it's free and it's very helpful. <laughs> cool. That's a great resource. Though yeah. so I'm, I'm with you, Becca. The, Deductions for mileage is so minimal that I would just advise therapists not to lose sleep over trying to make sure that you record every single mile. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Allie, so is there anything special about record keeping for a business that sells retail? I've never really kind of dabbled in that arena for, I don't know, different reasons. So I don't know. How do you deal with this? Yeah, so depending on the size of your practice, keeping good inventory records could be more or less problematic. This was another area that I struggled to set up correctly from the get-go. When I first branched into retail, I didn't have a master list of what was on hand. A lot of my items, a lot of the items that I had on sale were consignment, and then a lot I owned. Because I didn't have a master list, this resulted in me crawling through crawl spaces and high shelves and closets to figure out how much I had of my inventory at year end. And it was just a massive headache. So if you plan to sell retail, make sure to keep detailed records from the get-go. You're still going to want to do inventory checks to make sure that nothing is walking out the door. No one has any sticky fingers. But at least if you start out with a good system, you can more easily move forward. Yeah, doing that hard work initially, it sounds like, you know, that's kind of our theme is really it it makes for less work in the long run. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, sometimes I think we just we lose sight of that because we're so excited to move on to the tasks that are a little bit more fun. But it's really prudent to set up good systems in the beginning. It's so true. It's so true. So you can deduct new equipment, and depreciated equipment. So let's talk about depreciation. Depreciation, or the loss in value of an asset over time, can get pretty complicated. The rules change almost every year, and this is where a good accountant comes in so handy. So as I said earlier, I come from a family of accountants, which, guys, I'm not going to lie, is so beneficial. It's so beneficial having a good tax person in your corner. I know that you can do your taxes through TurboTax and other online DIY sources, but the amount of time and money it has saved me by having someone who truly understands the tax laws is key. 
Granted, I did have employees and independent contractors working for me for years, so my taxes were a little more complicated than most sole proprietors. But even so, I want to highly encourage you to have a good tax accountant in your corner. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Allie. I think having someone that you can just even talk to, you know, an accountant, a professional, even if you decide to not you know, that it's not necessarily working with your business model to have an accountant. It can just be really helpful, especially those first few years when you're kind of still trying to figure things out. Exactly. I mean, maybe you just can consult at the beginning with one to make sure that you're on the right track, that you're understanding everything for your specific business. And then moving forward, you can switch to like TurboTax or some other online source, but at least having kind of that baseline to get you going, I think is, is wise. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so more deductions? Okay. All right, so personal protective equipment, including clothing. Those nice goggles. Yep, yep, all those things. Business insurance, property insurance, liability insurance. I will say, so the clothing, those those kinds of things change every year. It used to be really flexible and fluid, and then they were like, it has to have a business logo on it for you to deduct it. So it'll be interesting, like, what this year kind of how that shifts with the with the need for like personal protective equipment, which includes scrubs and different or whatever you choose, you know, but it's right, right. It's not the same anymore. Also health insurance. Mm-hmm, yep. License renewals, travel expenses associated with education, utilities, business meetings, associated food expenses with travel, business meetings, marketing expenses. And this is where I always find like, it's nice to like, I write down on my little receipts or whatever I'm keeping using to keep track, like what it was for. There's website, postage, phone, appliance repair, email providers, booking softwares, networking. So much. So much. I also wanted to talk just a little bit about working out of our homes and doing laundries at our homes. So you can deduct electricity and supplies, but not a portion of your mortgage for your laundry room. You can depreciate your machines if their primary use is for work purposes, which I think we all know as massage therapists, if you're bringing your laundry home, there's way more laundry associated with a massage business than personal use, (laughs) at least in my experience. You haven't seen my closet. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But this is also where you get into like splitting hairs a little bit and it it can get kind of tricky. So that's where, you know, consulting with someone's super important. And then in recent years, the IRS has really been cracking down on putting part of your mortgage as a business expense. You must have a home office where the public can come to count it towards your mortgage. So My home office, where I work on my taxes, my bookkeeping, my scheduling, and all the other things that are entailed with running a massage business, it cannot be considered a business expense and part of my mortgage deduction as I don't see clients in my home. If you have a home treatment space, that's a different story. Yeah. And usually a home treatment space, the last time that I kind of looked into things, you had to have a private entrance coming in. So, you know, all of this deductions, they they can seem very overwhelming. And it can really be just a a great step to organizing and creating your methods to meet with an accountant and just talk about what you'll need to keep track of for your business model, or if the standard deductions will be enough for what you have. 
you know, set forward in your practice for that year. So really getting, getting advice from experts is so helpful. And again, you know, these, these, these rules change, like you were talking yeah. about the clothes changing and the entrance changing, like every year they change. Yeah. So, you know, unless you're really keeping track of how the IRS is changing things, which I can't imagine many of us massage therapists are like too keen on doing that. Um, you know, that's why, that's why there's accountants. That's why, you know, we're professionals. We want, we want people to treat us like professionals and come to us because we have been trained in the work we do. It's the same for accountants. Like there's a reason that they're professionals. So. Yeah. And I have tried to read like basically the, the amendments every year to like how, what the tax law looks like. And it is literally mind melting. Like it's just, yeah, we're experts at body work. Let's just do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So this year is a little different for taxes. Yeah, this this year is a little different for a lot of things. But I think the biggest thing to tackle when filing our 2020 taxes is going to be factoring in any monies received from unemployment via the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act, and the stimulus check. So it's my understanding that the stimulus check is a relief check that we would have received on our 2020 taxes uh, tax return, but it was issued early um, for obvious reasons. So this relief check is not counted as income, so there's no taxes that needs to be paid on it. However, eligibility amounts were calculated using 2018 or 2019 taxes, uh, depending on what you, what had been filed. And it's my understanding that once 2020 is filed, if your, uh, um, adjusted gross income is over the qualifying amount, you may have to pay some of that stimulus money back. Basically, if you made less than 75,000 as an individual or 150000 as a couple, you won't have to pay back any of the stimulus money is my understanding. Yeah. So most of us are probably pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah. You can also find all of these figures and guidelines on treasury.gov and irs.gov backslash coronavirus. And just always keep these in your pocket in your notes and uh, just go back and refer to, uh, you know, these, these websites. They're really helpful. So where does that leave unemployment benefits? So all unemployment benefits, including the $600 coronavirus unemployment bennies are counted as taxable income. So any of those benefits received, we all need to set aside approximately 30% of that income for taxes if you didn't opt to have the taxes taken out of those benefits from the get-go. So I know a lot of people that, you know, I know in this industry, they just wanted all the help they could get because we were out of work and we had bills, you know, so they opted to... Well, we didn't know what, we didn't know what was coming. Yeah, you it know? Was, I mean, it's super scary. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so don't get hit in April, guys. Save the cash and plan ahead Take it out of the bank account, put it in your trapper keeper, do it. <laughs> so Becca, we did have we did have the option back then though to have the taxes taken up out front. Yes, so yes, there was. For any listeners Yeah. So any for any listeners who did take out that the taxes from that six hundred, they they won't have to pay an additional amount on that. So hopefully during the shutdown, we all took time for maybe some online education, maybe branching out for a side hustle. 
perhaps proactively preparing for those higher sanitation standards and PPE to step back in into our business, that personal protective equipment. So all those, as we talked about earlier uh, with what you can write off, those, those can be submitted in our itemized deductions if you opt out of the standard deductions. Another bonus this year is the charitable deduction of up to $300 whether you take the standard deductions or not. So that's an added $300 that you can put into your deductions. So really our biggest tip this episode is get organized, be proactive. Whether you have an accountant or you use Credit Karma or TurboTaxes, you and or your accountant slash dad (laughs) will be super, super grateful. And it is really nice to not be stressing about getting your taxes together on April 15th. One last thing to think about when filing is what your end goals are. So if you're trying to get as many deductions as possible to owe the least amount, that's one thing. If you're trying to get a home loan, you're going to want to approach things a little bit differently. You're not going to want to take as many deductions because you're going to want to show that you have a higher income. So just think about where you're at and if you're trying to get a loan or a mortgage and you didn't make enough money because you wrote off everything on your taxes. So that's just something to think about. Yeah. And this is where having experts in your corner really helps, even if they're not on retainer, just having people that, you know, you, you know, you can go in and pay a consulting fee and, you know, they're just reliable uh, experts in your corner. Even super helpful. Even talking to a banker about this too. Like if you're thinking about the, in a year you want to apply for a mortgage, go talk to a banker now and just see where you're at and say, okay, what do I need to do to make it possible? Because they're, I've I've experienced that with some bankers where they're really they're really open to share what it is that you're lacking and that they need from you. So we hope this episode has been helpful. Bottom line, taxes shouldn't debilitate you from moving forward in your massage practice. If you find yourself feeling stressed and overwhelmed, it is much better to reach out to an expert than to halt your progress. Usually, the energy we expel dreading dealing with these types of issues is far worse than bucking up and getting it over with. I've known far too many therapists over the years who have failed to file taxes because of fear. This fear ultimately leads to far more time being dedicated to taxes, lost sleep, and increased anxiety. Therapists, you've got this. Thank you so much for listening. And please reach out to us if you have any questions or topics you would like covered. We love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, we wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.